What I'd really love to do tonight is um, talk a bit about the vision that we have here as a church and our values to help us get there. I want to begin by asking you a question. What do you have in your downstairs loo? Anything special? Anyone want to volunteer something? A picture? A washing machine? Books? We, tend to, we like to keep a, sort of co- a comic book or two in there, don't we? You know, just to keep people amused. Or perhaps an old school photo, an old sports team. I think James Hellings, I think I mentioned it the other week, you know he invited the Queen to attend his wedding. Uh, I think in full knowledge that uh, she wouldn't be able to come, but that she would send back a very kind RSVP, uh, politely declining the offer, but on very nice headed paper. I think he, I think he keeps that in his downstairs loo. Uh, but we all keep interesting stuff. One of my favorite things, the reason I mention it, is because in the Stillwell downstairs, Lou, in the vicarage next door, which perhaps some of you have frequented, um, I am often to be found in there, uh, there is this that hangs. And I love it. I'm going to read it to you. Um, and it really does tie in with what I'm going to talk about tonight. Uh, don't you worry. In our family, we spend time together. We do laughter. We do joy. We do Siri, we do generosity, we make mistakes, we say sorry, we give second chances, we share, we choose people before money, screens or a tidy house, we do meals together, we pray together and we value kindness, we pray together and we value kindness, I just read that, (laughs) we do cakes, we do bikes, We do Justin Bieber. (laughs) We do Fulham Football Club, which is a shame. And we do... It's actually spelled Cornwall here. I've only just spotted that. The kids kids used to call it from very small Cornwall. They couldn't say Cornwall. We listen without judging. We do family, but we make lots of space for others. We love God, and we love each other. I, I love that. Don't you love that? Tim is very keen for you to know that the fact they do fall way short of those high bars set out in that document. But you can see it for yourself when I reattach it in the downstairs loo. Um, but they live by it. Why? Because this is a set of values for them as a family, for them as a community, something for them to aspire to, a contract, if you like, or a covenant that they are one family, one people, and this is what they want to be known for. And I've seen it in action. I mean, they really, they don't want the screens, especially at the dinner table, at the lunch table. There is a ban on mobile phone screens. Can you imagine if we all did that? The world would be a better place. I've seen it in action. If you get your, if you get your screen out, what's the punishment, Tim? It's, uh, it's dish, and there's a chant, isn't there? It's like, dishwasher, dishwasher. Tim is keen to admit that he is regularly to be found washing dishes or loading the dishwasher as punishment. But this is an agreement. It is a stated set of values. So if you perhaps are new tonight, perhaps you're looking around, you're new to London, you're trying to find a church, trying to find a community, a family that you can be part of, and you want to know what are we about Do we have something like this hanging in our one downstairs loo? And if you're still queuing at the back, do join us as soon as you can. Um, Do we have such a document? Well, the amazing news is that we actually do. The things, the banners near the uh, pillars at the back, 
uh, you'll see that they've got four action points uh, which are brought to your attention. Things we want to all be committed to as members of this church, which are to get connected, to get involved, to get giving, and to get out in terms of mission. <laughs> but underpinning them all, the foundation, if you like, the rock on which this house, the Good House St. Dees, is built on, are our values and is our vision or our mission. And we have a mission statement. And in this document, which uh, gives you all the information you really need to know about us as a church, what we're about, uh, including all those four priorities that I just mentioned, it has uh, a tab dedicated to our values. And on the front, it says our mission statement, which some of you may know, some of you might not. But we do, in fact, have one. And our mission statement is to grow mission-minded disciples who live for Jesus wherever they are. Should we try and say that together? Our mission is to grow mission-minded disciples who live for Jesus wherever they are. Should help us to remember it. Why? Because we want to play our part in fulfilling the Great Commission. The commission that Jesus gave to his disciples shortly before he ascended to the right hand of God, where he is today interceding for you, for me, for his whole worldwide church family, that we might be his witnesses, his beacon of light and hope here on the earth. His final words to his disciples, go into all the world, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them. That sun is really taking me on, isn't it? And it's winning, I'll be honest. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. That's the Great Commission. That's God's order, his instructions to his church 2,000 years ago and still the same today. That's our mission. And we want to play our part we want to play our part together as a family, corporately, as one body. But we also recognize that the most effective we're going to be in fulfilling that Great Commission is if each one of us has the right mindset, has the right worldview. This is why we, we don't just want to create a, a church that does missional events or does good evangelistic gatherings like Alpha, like Liz Earl, but we want to create individual believers, disciples of Jesus, who've got a missional mindset, who've got the right worldview, who know how to live in every situation for the glory of Christ, pointing people to him. Because then we can duck and weave. You, you can get to other parts that us as a church cannot reach. That's why it's our vision, that all of us are involved, that all of us are playing our part. So if you like, our mission statement, growing mission-minded disciples who live for Jesus wherever they are, that's the overarching banner over this as a church. Could be that you are new to London, you're new tonight, and you're wondering whether this is somewhere you want to be. If that doesn't excite you guys, then we bless you. There are plenty of other churches to choose from. You might not want to be part of us here. You might not want to get stuck in, because that's where we're headed that's the, the sign on the bus, if you will, saying where we're going. But the question I want to look tonight at is, how are we going to get there? How are we going to ensure that everything we do, everything we prioritize, everything we, we set our mind and our resources and our energy to is headed in that direction? 
And we don't want to be following any diversion signs going off down a side road. We want to be headed the right way. And that's why we've got values. Values as a church. We've got three of them. They all begin with E, easy to remember. And I'm going to talk us through them tonight. And hopefully you'll be able to say in your heart as we look at each one, a deep amen. This is what I believe in too. This is what I want to get on board with. So the first value is about encountering God. Here at St. Dees, we want to be a church, we want to be a community that is all about encountering God. It, in the box on the back of this, um, struggling for a word for that, what is that? This thing, let's call it a thing. Thank you, Tim. Uh, this thing is our three values, encountering God. We say we seek to encounter God in all we do through worship, the Bible, and prayer. We want to encounter God through worship. Now, when I first became a Christian, the weirdest thing before, just before I became a Christian, was going into a church and singing songs. I mean, I got that you did a talk. I got that you opened the Bible. I got that there was a document to sort of study. But I just didn't understand, why do we sing? Why are we doing this sort of giant karaoke thing to, uh, you know, an invisible friend? You know, it was, it was crazy in the eyes of the world. What is our worship about? Well, firstly, our worship is all of our lives. It's everything we are. It's everything we have, all that we offer. It's our giving that we'll be looking at next week. How we use our wallets, our cash, that's part of our worship too. But specifically, sung worship. The Bible talks about worship as being a means for encountering God, a means for experiencing his presence. Psalm 22 verse 3 says that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. In other words, when we worship, when we praise, that provides a landing strip for God the Holy Spirit to come and land on or hover over that we might know his manifest presence. And when we know his presence, then all kinds of amazing things can happen. We hear the voice of God, we experience healing, we get strengthened, we receive vision and purpose for our lives, all of the good stuff, everything we want. But it comes through worship, it comes through creating that landing strip, giving him the honor that he deserves. And it's, it's more than just singing songs, it's more than just singing along, it's engaging with our hearts and it's having the right mindset that holds in mind that it's not just us, the 100, 120 of us or whatever that are in this room tonight, that are singing. When we worship, the Bible points to a picture of us joining with all of creation and heaven itself in giving God the glory that he alone deserves. You know, right now, God is seated on his throne and he is surrounded by countless millions upon millions of angels and seraphim and cherif, cherubim and whatever they all are. Um, sounds like that Pokemon game or whatever. But they're, they're, they're better than that. And they are all right now worshipping the living God. Non-stop. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And when we join in, when we worship here on earth, we are joining in with the worship of heaven. And we experience God's presence when we do that. And we want to be a people who encounter God. So we want to go after him in worship. This is why we have things like 
the presence evenings, which um, on reflection, we're going to be shifting them up this term. We're going to have one evening of presence this term, sometime in October, where we want to invite us as a church to just come together for us to strip the chairs away and for us to just press in in a slightly extended time of worshipping God, of welcoming his presence, of saying, come Lord, have your way, seeking him. Why? Because we want to encounter God. We're committed to that as a church. We're also committed to encountering God through the Bible. I don't know about you, but I, I love and only ever want to be part of a church that is serious about the Bible. Amen? That is serious about God's word. Why? Because God speaks through it. Because it's not, as the secularists as the world out there would say, it's not just a dusty old book, an old relic that we're somehow, you know, living out of time and it's out of touch with uh, society and culture today. That it's just a historical document. Yes, of course, there are elements that it, it was written, it is part of history, but the Bible says of itself that it is a living and active document. It is a sword. It can divide our hearts, our soul, can open us up. It's the means through which God speaks to us. It's the means through which God feeds us. Jesus said, didn't he, that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes, that keeps the tense used in that verb, is the present participle. It's ongoing, that continues coming from the mouth of God. So one commentator, um, when I was studying a book in the Old Testament, uh, this commentator wrote of it, he said, it's as if the words come to us still hot with the breath of God. Because he didn't just speak them, dictate them 2,000 years ago. He is still speaking them today. That's what's going on. That's what's happening. Every time you open the Bible, even though it might not feel like that, every time you open it and you, and you read it, God is speaking, declaring those words into your life, into your very being, into your situation. It's living and active. It, it, it feeds us. It nourishes us. It's through the Bible that we encounter and experience and hear from God. I read a great tweet yesterday. Um, I think Mike Pilavachi had tweeted it. It said that the Bible is bread for every day, not a cake for special occasions. Isn't that great? I think too often we treat it like a cake for special occasions. When it's meant to be, we're meant to chow down every day and take our fill and not stop until we are filled up for that day. Give us today our daily bread. We take the Bible seriously here because through it we encounter God. This, um, this term, we're looking at a new series, um, kicks off in a couple of weeks, looking at the Sermon on the Mount. We, Tim laid a foundation last week looking at building our house on the rock. Fantastic talk. If you weren't here, go online, listen to it. Looking at the very words of Jesus and how they are the words that we are to build our lives upon, that we are to live according to. And as we do, our lives will be built on rock. And I, for one, am hugely grateful that we have a vicar in Tim who doesn't flinch from the tough stuff, who takes the word of God seriously. 
I now can't see any of you. You know, when you've seen light and then everything's blurred. Um, But whatever's going on in our culture, you've seen the headlines in the news, the church, and we're in such a mess. And Tim holds to orthodox lines on things. Praise God. He's willing to take a stand. He's willing to hold to what the Bible says. And we should give thanks for that. And we should pray, long may that continue and may there be more leaders like that. Tim stands for that. I stand for that. You should stand for that. Because this document, this Bible is the living word of God. And it's part of how we encounter him. And in fact, this term, hugely exciting for us. Part of our toolkit um, Sessions. We've run a couple of toolkit sessions where we've looked at identity in Christ and we've looked at evangelism. What is it? How do we do it? Really looking to literally tool us up to live the Christian life out there in a difficult world. And this term, our toolkit sessions on the 15th and the 22nd of November, uh, we're looking at the Bible. And we've got one of the, the finest teachers of the Bible in the UK, in my opinion, in many people's opinion, coming to give us two sessions Two Tuesday evenings, uh, toolkit sessions, here at St. Dionys. I mean, it's a real coup for us. So I really commend that to you. Come as a life group. Come and hear what the Bible is. How are we to understand it? How are we to make sense of it? And secondly, how do we make best use of it? How do we encounter God through it? So those sessions are coming up because we're serious about the Bible. For you guys out there, if you haven't yet come to a Burning Man session, I'd encourage you this term, come to Burning Man. We kick off on the 22nd of September. We meet at a church just near Victoria, perhaps on your way into work, 7 to 8 a.m. We get some of the finest teachers we can find. Again, we're looking at the Bible, this term, its interpretation, its purpose, its sufficiency, its authority, the tough stuff. Because if we cannot stand on God's word, then we will not stand at all. We encounter God through the Bible. So worship the Bible. Thirdly, prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is just us talking to God, having relationship with God. You think of any human relationship. I mean, it's a two-way thing, isn't it? One of you, you take it in turns to talk to each other. One of you talks, the other listens, and then the other talks and you listen. The Bible's how we hear from God. Prayer is how we talk to God. A great friend of mine, John Wright, has been a Christian his entire life, since he was born. Um, just got married, and his wife just came to faith uh, within the last year on an Alpha course at HTB. And he says he's just been so inspired and refreshed by just the innocence, the beauty of her relationship with God, where one day she just said to him, like, is it weird that I, to, that I hear from God, that I think I hear from God? And he's like, no, not at all. That's what it's about. And she's like, yeah, because I just go on these walks and, you know, I, I just pray and I talk out to God and I tell him what's going on in my life, tell him what I'm worried about. I ask him for help with this or that. And then I think I hear from him and I think he suggests things to me. And the reason I think it's him is because the ideas are much better than the ones that I would come up with by myself. It comes about through prayer, through prayer, she is encountering God. Through prayer, we can encounter God. The heavens are open. God is open for business. It's no problem his end. The invitation rests with us. 
We can do that individually. We can do that here at church on a Sunday. We can do that in our life groups, wherever it is, you know, in the shower or, you know, going to work on the tube, cooking dinner, whatever it is. You can pray any way, any time. One way you can also pray is with us here at St. Dee's, the Tuesday morning uh, corporate prayer meeting, which happens every Tuesday morning uh, between 7 and 8 a.m. here at the back of church. There's usually about six of us. And there's a lot more of us in here tonight. Now, I know it it might be hard. It, it, It could be just downright impossible for you to get here at seven. Perhaps you're already due at work. Perhaps you get into work at six, if you're like... Tim and myself. Um, You're already at your desk. You're taking kids to school. The geography just doesn't uh, track. You can't make it work. Perhaps it's impossible. But perhaps, perhaps there's just one or two of you out there that just it might be doable for. Maybe just okay. What about once a month? Once a month, saying this month, this Tuesday, I'm going to make the I'm going to travel early to go and join the others in uniting to pray for the needs of the world, for the needs of our church, that God would break in, that he would bring change, that he would bring revival and transformation to this community and beyond. Could you do that? Would you consider doing it? Because I suppose the question I would have, and I don't mean to lay it on as a, as a heavy thing, as a guilt thing, but it is, I just do wonder, um, what would be the reasons why we wouldn't be here as far as I can see, there, there might be two. Firstly, that we've just got a wrong theology. And we somehow think that the purposes of God, that the kingdom of God is going to come about without us seeking God's face, without us praying for breakthrough, without us tearing down strongholds in the spirit and praying for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Perhaps, perhaps that's where we've been. Perhaps we've had a wrong, and sorry, like we put our, I put my hand up. Tim, we must put our hands up and say, if that's what we've led you to believe, forgive us. Forgive, forgive us if you're there thinking it's just going to happen, that somehow this nation is going to come back to Christ, that somehow souls are going to be one for Christ without prayer, without tears, without us crying out. If that's your theology, forgive us. Because that is bang out of order. God does nothing except through prayer. Prayer has been described as the slender nerve that moves the arm of omnipotence. So perhaps it's bad theology. Or the second reason I can think is that perhaps, and this is even, yeah, and this is me, if I didn't have to be here, would I be here? I don't know. The second reason, surely, is whether we care enough. If, if, it's, if we have right theology, no, 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 I know I need to pray, then perhaps, how much do we care? How much do we long to see the purposes of God fulfilled? How much are we hungering to see the kingdom of God come? How much will we push ourselves to play our part, to get on our knees. How hungry are are we? And I confess that we live in an apathetic age. It is hard to stir ourselves. 
The enemy has got a blanket over this generation and over this age, just a blanket of apathy. And it is very hard to puncture it and push on through to lay hold of glory. But that is what we must do for the sake of those we love, for the sake of those who don't yet know Christ. It's no biggie. I mean, it's just that's, that's one way you could join us to pray if you want to. Tuesday mornings, 7 to 8 a.m. Now there won't be enough chairs in the house. No, but do feel free. I just throw it out because it's a challenge to myself. Like, I would always miss prayer meetings and this and that. But this is an opportunity. And God isn't going to move powerfully until he sees commitment on our part. So it's there if you want to join us. And the good news is that we encounter God through prayer. So that's the first thing, first value. The second two are shorter. Uh, Encountering God through worship, the Bible and prayer. The second value is embracing one another. Jesus, when asked what is the greatest commandment, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. But he said the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. Now, I think this is naturally one of our great strengths as, as a church, as a family, which we'll see even more clearly at the All Together service when we all come together. Anyone who's ever come into St. Dee's has always remarked on what a warm welcome they receive. And that's fantastic. We are welcoming. We are open. We are warm. But there's a difference between being welcoming and being welcome and being known And in this season that we're in as a church, we want to go more after the latter. We want to be a people who are known. Why? Because it's how we grow in knowing that we're really loved. How do you know, really know, that you're loved? that you're accepted? (laughs) It's better. Better question. Where do you know this? When do you know this? Because as I've been thinking about it this week, I've been thinking, yeah, of course, you come to church, you hear the gospel, you hear about God's unconditional love and acceptance, his grace, his forgiveness. We hear it, and yet... The irony is that it takes one another, it takes a community around us to bring us the deepest experience of God's love and acceptance and forgiveness. So let's just imagine, you know, tomorrow morning, Monday morning, alarm goes, you go to hit it, you go to get in your suit and whatever you're wearing, you're off to work, you know off to the school, off to the bank, the accountancy, you're going to get the tube and you're going to go to work. You've done it every week. I mean, why would today be different? But today is different because on your way to work, you happen to go and rob a bank. Okay? You just go in, you just think, I reckon I could do this. And you do do it. You pull it off. You go to work. You get on with the rest of your week. But throughout the week, you're just feeling a bit, you're feeling rotten. You're feeling just a bit guilty. And you come back next Sunday and it's church and, and you're here and you try to sing along in the worship, but you're feeling heavy. It comes that time where we're just waiting and we're inviting the Holy Spirit and Tim, myself, or someone is just saying, it could be that 
something's coming to mind, something you've thought, said, done this week that you know you need to bring to the cross. And you bring it to the, you're like, oh, I did rob a bank. Um, <laughs> you bring it to the cross. Lord, I'm so sorry. It's good times with the money, but I am sorry about the bank. <laughs> you receive forgiveness because you receive forgiveness through faith, through what Jesus has done on the cross. And yet, you know it, and yet something is still missing. What is that something? Well, the Bible would say that it is the presence of another in that situation. Or what the Creed series we just looked at, the Creed would call the fellowship of believers. It's the reality of a brother or sister with whom you can share all that you've said and done, all that you've ever thought, all that you are in your heart and soul, that you can share it all and be fully known. And yet, hear, see, experience the response of acceptance and not rejection. You see, when we go to God, we know in faith that we're forgiven, but we don't concretely hear anything, not normally. We don't see a physical face smiling. We don't physically feel an arm around the shoulder a hug. But through community, through one another, we allow Jesus to minister all of that and more to us. When we share all that we are, when we share our, our darkest secrets, confess our deepest sins, and have someone else look at us and smile with the smile of a loving Father, our Father in heaven, and declare to us the words, you are accepted, you are forgiven. You are loved. Well, that's as powerful as anything that we can experience in this life. And that's what we want to be about here as a church. You may also hear from that person, you are forgiven, but you are also probably going to prison. But that's, you know, and all analogies break down. We want to be a people who embrace one another as family, pursuing real and authentic relationship. This is why we do our life groups. This is why we meet in smaller groups in the middle of the week. Over 150 of us in this church, probably 200, 220 adults in this whole church, over 150 of us are in life groups. It's amazing. If you're not yet, then see Tim or myself at the end. We'd love to get you involved in one. There are spaces in groups around the church. That's where we know others and allow ourselves to be known. And the deeper you go, the more you share, the more you will experience God's love. I promise you. And we want to go even deeper than that. We want to enable you to and encourage you to get into accountability groups. It's actually one of our strategic goals as a church, is that everyone should be involved in perhaps a prayer triplet, a three or a four man, four girl group that gets together every week, every couple of weeks to really do life, to really share hearts to really confess stuff, fears, and allow people to speak words of life, forgiveness, hope into that situation. We want to encourage that. We want to enable it through the life groups. Just begin, just ask friends. You're already in groups, many of you. Why don't you, a few of you say, why don't we get together? You know, perhaps you work near each other. And in fact, to facilitate this, we've uh, made a map that is it's an open forum. It's, it's an open 
document that if you send us your postcodes, we will upload your postcode onto this map and publish it. And you can all see where one another work. And it's amazing looking at this map, you just realize, oh my gosh, you know, Simon works half a mile away. He's literally just by Pret-a-Manger. I'm going to meet up with him for lunch. Or, you know, Ollie's just up the road. I literally, let's get a beer after work. Let's meet up. Let's do life. Let's perhaps begin to, to meet, to be deliberate, to, to talk about the things of God, to pray for one another, to be accountable, to share life, to embrace one another. That's what we want to encourage. And it's in those times that you get the chance to ask each other the hardest questions. Because it's really the, it's those times when we're being challenged, isn't it, that we get refined and sharpened the most. And if there's no one asking you those questions, then I wonder, how are you being sharpened? How am I? Do you have someone who has permission to ask you What's the one question you don't want me to ask you? Think that one through for a moment. It's scary, isn't it? To really free someone up, or a couple of people up, to be able at any point to ask you, what's the one question you don't want me to ask you? For each one of us, it will be something different. How have I been spending my money? What have I been looking at online? Have I been sharing my food this week? Something like that. It's a tough one for me. Food sharing. Don't do it. Um, these are what these groups are to help with. And we want to help you get into them. So do chat to us more. Give us your postcodes. We want to enable it. We want to be a people who are family, who are pursuing real and authentic relationships. That's in fact why we do the coffee, the tea, at the heart of the service. Not just because we want you all to have the appropriate levels of refreshment. Uh, it's actually because Jesus said, the world will know that you are my, dis my disciples because of your love for one another. And we want to value community and community making space right at the heart of our worship to God, our Father, coming together as family. We want to know and be known because that's our second value. That's what we're about, embracing one another. And finally, very quickly, engaging with the world. Jesus doesn't call us together just to be a holy huddle, just to exist for times like this. He calls us together to get fired up, to encounter him, to embrace one another, to get empowered to go out and engage with our world through mission, through evangelism, through compassion, through being salt, through being light, through living a different life, pointing people to Christ. That's what the Great Commission is about. That's what we're all about. And that's what our world desperately needs, isn't it? Jesus is the only answer to all the problems in our world. I'm not, I'm not just talking about the war, the devastation, Syria, Iraq, whatever that. I'm talking about things closer to home. The crisis in identity. Young guys, young girls growing up, not having any sense of self, questioning, what, am I even a guy? Am I even a girl? What's my gender? 
And we've got to just stop for a moment, guys, and realize the devil is having a field day. He is stealing, killing, destroying because he's the father of lies and he's lying to an entire generation about who they are and who they're not. And if we just sit by and if we don't engage and if we don't offer hope and if we don't point to a father in heaven who loves them, who knows them and can define them and help them understand themselves, then what hope do they have? Satan is laughing. And the answer is the gospel. The answer is God's word. The answer is building your house on the rock. What we're going to be looking at with the Sermon on the Mount. It is the only hope for a generation that is just dropping off, I mean, dropping off a cliff. Don't you find you're like, what? That now? Unbelievable. As if things weren't bad enough. And it falls to the church to declare truth, to hold out hope, to offer Christ. This is what we're called to. As disciples with mission mindsets, living for Jesus wherever we are. This is why we do Alpha. This is why we want you to invite friends to come and hear. Hear the truth. Hear words to live by, to be set free by. This is why we want... Women packing out this place, you know, the yummy mummies of Parsons Green, coming to hear beauty tips from Liz Earle and also a whisper about Alpha and the difference Christ makes in her life. Coming to explore for herself, for themselves. This is why we do things centrally. This is why things bubble up naturally from amongst you. Missional communities, holy spokes are gathering around cycling, wanting to go on bike rides and invite non-Christian friends to join us. Just to, on the off chance that you have a conversation about why you go to church, what you believe, and then stop and have a, you know, whatever. What, do you have a hot dog in the lane? I don't know what. I didn't, I didn't plan that. You have to, sustenance and stuff. Or Lauren working with people with addiction, or there's a cheese and white. There's all, as wide as there are interests and passions in life, we want to have people engaging with it. So if you discover that there is a sort of Swahili-speaking knitting society, the other side of the Fulham Road, and you're like, I want to set up a group that we're going to learn Swahili, we're going to learn how to knit, and we're going to go, yes, go and do it. Because they must be reached. They need help. No, (laughs) that's what we're about. We want to engage with God's world. And the key is, guys, that it's a choice, isn't it? And on this, I'm coming into land. It is a choice for each one of us whether we will engage or not. I was thinking of like, engage, what, that rings a bell, engage. One of my favorite moments in film history. You've all seen Top Gun? Yeah? You know that moment where it's been a heck of a film. Maverick's been on a journey, but he's called up and there's a a dogfight over the Pacific or something. Russians, the MiGs, Iceman's up there. He's on his own. Maverick's making his way there. And he goes to engage, and they call it engaging. And then he goes through the flux, and he spins out because Goose got killed that way. And then he bugs out, and they say, Maverick's disengaging, sir. And he leaves the fight, and he leaves Iceman. And you don't know what way it's going to go. He makes a choice to disengage. 
But then, I don't know what, Goose speaks to him, something weird, and, he re-engage- and you just hear the guy with the radar like, Maverick's re-engaging, sir. He makes that choice to engage, and World War III uh, is just put, postponed. The Russians had seen off. Welcome if you're from Russia. Um, <laughs> just good things happen. High fives all around. But it's a choice. It's a choice for each one of us, whether we engage in this spiritual battle or not. Our encouragement? Engage. Engage with us as a community. Come, encounter God here. Come, embrace one another so that together we can encourage each other to engage with God's world, a world that he so loves that he gave his only son. That's the church that we are. That's the community we want to be. And if you find in yourself your heart rising and a big amen wanting to burst forth, then you're in the right place. And we can't wait to go on this journey together. Amen? I'm going to hand back to Tim. Tim.